the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Jussie Smollett called. Uh, Well, actually, he didn't, but maybe Jussie should call. Uh, Miles Garrett apparently needs some help. And uh, Jussie seems to be pretty good at staging a hoax. Well, actually, he's not all that good because he got caught. Uh, Now he's, of course, suing the city of Chicago for having the nerve to catch him. But anyway, he could give uh, Garrett some advice. Word came out today that uh, Miles Garrett, at his hearing yesterday at the NFL offices where he was appealing his suspension, uh, that he said that Mason Rudolph, the Steelers quarterback, used a racial slur. I'm guessing, I guess everybody is guessing the N-word, when they were on the ground rolling around after uh, he had been, after Garrett had sacked Rudolph last Thursday night in the game in Cleveland. And uh, Garrett apparently is saying that's why he bopped Rudolph on the head with his own helmet. Now, I took some heat for writing a column over the weekend saying that Rudolph got off a little too easy when he wasn't suspended. He just got fined. Rudolph did. And I thought that the indefinite suspension for Garrett, which was probably going to be and maybe still is. I don't know how his appeal went, but uh, that suspension was going to be for at least the rest of this season, which would be six games and cost him probably a million dollars was too much based on what happened. It was a spur of the moment thing. And uh, he Lost it, and okay, uh, suspend them, but I thought that was a little too far. But anyway, here we are again with a sports story that I like to do here on this show that goes way beyond sports, because Garrett is apparently, anyway, trying to push what you might call a mini hate crime hoax. Not actually a crime, but you know what I mean. And that goes way beyond sports because it is a problem. Lots of examples of it, with Jussie Smollett being the most uh, ridiculous, and it's that one is actually still going on. But coming up in our second half hour, we are going to have Wilford Riley, who's written a book called Hate Crime Hoax, How the Left is Selling a Fake Race War. And if Garrett is lying about this, it's worse than swinging the helmet. But I did, uh, I did hear... Uh, Rudolph yesterday at his uh, meeting with the media, and he talked about what happened. And I've it's rare that uh, I, I've, I've rarely seen a better case of um, of a guy knowing how to handle a situation like this, saying the right things, and uh, standing up for it, and actually admitting that he had a little bit of a problem. Here's what he said: You know, as for my involvement last week, you know, there's no acceptable excuse. Uh, the bottom line is I should have done a better job keeping my composure in that situation and uh, it falls short of what I believe it means to be a Pittsburgh Steeler and a member of the NFL. Mason, do you feel that you instigated or said anything that escalated this incident? Definitely didn't say anything that escalated it, but uh, like I said, I got, I got to do a better job of keeping my composure in those situations. Um, and, and uh, you know, I think it was an, it was an unfortunate situation for, for both teams involved. Well, he definitely didn't say anything. That's what he said. Now, if he had said something, do you really think that Garrett would not have said something within the first 10 seconds uh, in his post-game comments in the locker room after the game? But he didn't. And then he, he had a written apology, uh, a, a well-written and a, what seemed to be a sincere apology to Rudolph, um, I think the next day. And made no mention of it there. But when he gets to New York and is thinking about reducing that suspense, remember, it's not just being unable to play a few games. It might be a million dollars that he's out. So for each game that he can have that um, re- that suspension reduced, that's hundreds of thousands of dollars for him. Uh, that you know it's going to be in his pocket. That's not going to be in his pocket if the if the suspension holds. So we will talk about that with the uh, author of the book uh, coming up in our second half hour. Coming up next, uh, there's a survey in Washington D.C. Uh, I'm sorry, a survey that was done that says that Washington, D.C. is the most masculine city in the world. And Ellie Bufkin, who's been on this show a few times, she's a young woman who's a writer uh, down there for a couple of different publications. 
And she says that um, seeing that made her want to lock herself in her bathroom. And she said, if it's true, I want to lock myself in the bathroom and weep for eternity. Uh, We are going to talk to her when uh, we come back about just how masculine the men are in Washington, D.C. Stick around. They blow into town with the wind, rain, and hail. And out-of-town storm chasers going door-to-door, often posing as a local company, offering a quick fix to desperate homeowners. If you've had damage to your roof, windows, siding, or gutters and downspouts, you may be eligible to get them replaced or repaired free of charge. Just be careful who you call. Visit WindowsRUsPittsburgh.com for a free inspection from one of their highly trained appraisers. With over 50 years in home remodeling, Windows R Us is the area's premier exterior replacement company for roofs, siding, gutters and downspouts, doors, and of course windows. If damage isn't your issue and you just want something new, you'll love their no-pressure approach, no hidden fees, and one of the fastest turnaround times in the industry. A company who will never skip town when it comes to honoring their warranty. Visit WindowsRUsPittsburgh.com. Mention STAG for an additional 10% off. Windows R Us, proud sponsor of the Jerk of the Week, heard every Friday on the John Stagerwald Show. WindowsRUsPittsburgh.com. We're living in a very successful, affluent society for many people. Yet, it's also true that there are people that are being left out of that. And how do we reach those people? Joel Gilliam, Executive Director at Light of Life Rescue Mission on Pittsburgh's North Side. So part of what Light of Life does is that we help them in our education and employment program to connect with workforce development, to look at the skill gap that exists. And so we're partnering with places like the community college. We're taking our clients, once they are clean and they're ready to move on, now they can actually get credentialed in an area where they can be hired to work with uh, UPMC or Google or or Amazon or these other places. And so it provides an on-ramp for those who are left out to get back involved in society. Help someone else find their comeback story. To become a monthly partner or make a one-time gift, visit lightoflife.org slash give today. lightoflife.org slash give. The following statements have not been evaluated by the FDA. Amber and trials tested mild to moderate symptoms. Testimonials based on 90 days of use. Results may vary. IRI, U.S. New Low, 52 weeks, 714.19 by UPC and LDO. Hi, I'm Mary Lou Retton. When I competed in gymnastics, I used to love to talk about my health, my energy, and my will to win gold. But today, I want to talk to you about something I used to keep private, my menopause. Between my hot flashes and night sweats and worse, my constant fatigue, I felt like a stranger in my own life. Nothing I tried could give me relief until I discovered Amberin. Amberin is clinically shown to relieve 12 menopause symptoms. Amberin is not a drug and is 100% estrogen-free and clinically tested. Thanks to Amber now, my energy is back. And those days of fearing hot flashes and night sweats are gone. I feel like myself again. Amberin works. It really works. Hurry to your Walmart, Walgreens, Target, and other fine stores and see why Amberin is America's number one menopause relief supplement. Like the rest of us, you're probably tired of all those annoying sales calls to your home telephone number. Now, there's a solution. OurOldNumber.com will block those pesky robocalls from getting through. And most live sales calls will hang up. So how does it work? Callers to your home telephone number will hear a personalized greeting from you. The caller selects the family member they wish to reach, and the call is immediately forwarded onto the family member's cell phone. There's no equipment to buy. There's nothing to install. No long-term contracts. It's still your phone number and remains in directory assistance. The service is only $9.99 per month, and you can eliminate your landline connection and save money. Now, calls to your home phone number can reach any member of the family wherever they are and get rid of those annoying sales calls. OurOldNumber.com. It's just $9.99 per month. Go to OurOldNumber.com to learn how you can get started blocking sales calls today. That's OurOldNumber.com. OurOldNumber.com. You'll be glad you did. The John Steigerwall Show. AM 1250, The Answer. Okay, we are having a little trouble raising Ellie Bufkin. Uh, She's the woman who works down in D.C. and reacted to the the survey here, uh, and it caught my eye. That's why I wanted to have her on. Uh, This story, she linked to this uh, piece in the Washington Examiner 
D.C. tops list as most masculine city in the world. And her tweet said, uh, if this is true, I want to lock myself in the bathroom and weep for eternity. So I got the feeling that she didn't think that uh, Washington was all that masculine. So the survey, uh, it said it was done by Morning Consult yesterday, uh, Tuesday, and asked respondents whether they see a variety of items as masculine or feminine. The higher the score in the survey, the more feminine the object. So, uh, like, uh, power tolls would would get a low number because that's something that's seen as more masculine. Um, A uh, pedicure, I guess, would be get a high number because it would be seen more feminine. So, um, but uh, Paris was at the top of the list of the most feminine city. I don't, I've never been to Paris and don't care if I ever go there, but um, I got a feeling that, you know, if you're going to measure a feminine city, I would think Paris would be a pretty strong candidate for number one. Uh, the survey pulled uh, all kinds of different categories, foods, beverages, activities, cities, to see what consumers view as masculine or feminine. Uh, they pulled 2,200 adults for the survey. And the results uh, pulled wide-ranging ca- survey pulled wide-ranging categories, including all those things. But the results revealed women see tampons as the most feminine. That's a shocker. While men uh, view manicures or pedicures as the most feminine. Both women and men agreed that power tools are the most masculine items. So uh, I don't know what they, you know, what the what the um, what the the people, the guys, uh, the people surveyed in in D.C came up with uh that to make to get uh dc to win the win the survey but i'm looking at this survey right now and it's uh, i was going to print it out so i could um check it out to give you an idea how extensive this thing is when i went to print it it said 306 pages uh, that's a book I, I i don't have time for that so i just randomly look at things that are on the list and uh, for example um let's see here let me go back and take a look at this. This is, uh, this is uh, on a scale of one to ten. Uh, okay, I'll give you one here. Um, on a scale of one to ten, what about guns? So you would imagine that uh, men would uh, score score that pretty high as being masculine. So would women. But we do have uh, Ellie on the phone right now. Ellie, thanks for being here. Hi. Hi, John. How are you? Good, good. So uh, I just kind of, we were waiting to get you on. I, I kind of went over what the uh, the survey was about, and I mentioned that the tweet that uh, when you linked to the story, you said, <laughs> if this is true, I want to lock myself in the bathroom and weep for eternity. So, Ellie, you seem to find this uh, the results of the survey a little disturbing. <laughs> well, as a resident of the district, I uh, I have found that masculinity is in short order, in my particular opinion. So uh, wow. if that survey was reflective of uh, the actual most masculine city in the world, I'm very, very concerned for yeah. our future. Wow. No. So <laughs> can you get, like, you're from Baltimore, I think you said, when we had you on here before to talk yep. about Baltimore as your hometown, when all yep. that stuff came out about, uh, that, and Trump kind of ripped the city. Um, so you are from Baltimore. So, but, so... Uh, th- this tweet obviously caught your eye. I mean, this uh, piece caught your eye. You work for the Examiner, but you you uh, you reacted that strongly to it, and now you're here telling me that you can that you see a definite lack of masculinity in the in this in the district in the city of Washington D.C. So how do you? I mean, how does a person detect a general lack of masculinity, <laughs> uh, especially well, a know- woman, obviously? <laughs> I guess it's it's in the eye of the beholder. Uh, but you know, for me. It's a lot of people who work on film, who work in media, a lot of younger people. But there's a lot of ego uh, and a lot of it is, you know, some empty suits. And quite frankly, to me, that I don't associate that with masculinity. To me, masculinity is, um, it, you know, being being confident in, in yourself and what you do and, um, you know, treating women, you know, well with respect uh, and not being on, you know, political, you know, feminist points. But actually, you know, making a woman feel good about themselves, holding uh, and that kind of thing. And I that just do not see that in this city. And, and certainly some of the younger men that I've met and had dates with not espouse these values either. So I'm not sure who they surveyed, but I haven't met those people. Well, I had just said yesterday, 
because I, I and I think again, I just said this to my wife or someone, maybe to Aaron, our producer. I, I might have said it to a couple people, but I said that I can't. I think I said it on the radio. I can't make it through more than a few minutes of the impeachment hearings because I can't stand to look at Adam Schiff's prissy face. So, uh, are there a lot of men like him in Washington? Because I, I came downstairs today, and the TV happened to be on, and the, and the preaching the uh, the uh, the hearings were on every station. The first thing I saw this morning when I walked out to where the TV is was a close up of Adam Schiff's face, and I wanted to puke. But that so. <laughs> So are a lot of people like Adam down there? (laughs) Fortunately, I haven't met a lot of people like Adam Schiff. Uh, Now, I work in, uh, you know, a magazine which tends to slant a little bit more to the conservative side. So I don't don't see a lot of people like him just in my everyday uh, interaction (laughs) in life. Lucky you. Uh, I really hope there's not too many more Adam Schiffs out there um, for everybody's sake. But, uh, yeah, no, whatever whatever his brand of non-masculine is is not uh, is not what I'm necessarily talking about. It's just, and maybe it's just because everyone in, in D.C. to me it seems very young. You know, mm-hmm. a lot of people come here; they're not from here; right. they're just out of college, and that's just not. Especially that generation is just not. Uh, masculinity is not, you know, a top priority. Being able to fix things. You know, chopping wood, uh, taking care of, of 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 women in their lives. It just isn't part of that culture. Uh, you know, it seems to be. I'm 36, so I'm not. You know, I'm You're not, not an older yeah. person, but I'm not a kid. Uh, you know, I certainly know some men in my life who are masculine and and who behave uh, in a really you know specific in confident way. Um, I just don't see that in in this generation, which, as I said, is a large portion of the population of this city yeah that's so. interesting because i uh, i've been saying for a long time uh that i i see um the feminization of men in general and uh, what used to what used to be something that would at least i used to think would a woman would not have any interest in a man who was like that uh they i i, I see Women who seem to be very feminine and they're good looking and successful women, and you see them hanging out with these men who you talk about fixing things. I, I, I mean, the, I, the only thing I can imagine them doing is getting a pedicure. Yeah, yeah. This is definitely the city of pay someone else to do it. Uh, you know, and not the not the type of you know take charge of a situation and and you know repair something yourself. And you know, this is this is the city of my condo is nicer than yours. Yeah. Um, right. And it's just yeah, exactly, <laughs> and it's uh, it's just not uh, not something that I associate with masculinity. I'm sorry. Um, maybe <laughs> maybe to some people that's what it is now. But I come, you know, I'm an old fashioned person. I suppose I think mm-hmm. that you know masculinity is a very specific thing, and uh, and I just don't see it here. <laughs> well, I can't fix anything and can't pound a nail. Uh, but I, I grew up in a house where my dad couldn't do that, and so I didn't have anybody to teach, because my dad was out playing golf. So I think that qualifies as masculine. <laughs> yeah, I think so. I mean, yeah. you know, and I'm, I'm saying that very specifically. Masculinity is really more about confidence mm-hmm. uh, in who you are and who you are as a man. And that's what I think is really lacking. I mean, it doesn't necessarily have to translate into being a handyman or, you know, having a blue-collar job. That's, those are specific instances, but really what it comes down to is being a confident person who knows exactly who they are as a man and where they are in the world that's masculinity whether you eat steak or or you know fish whatever right. you can you can do all those things and be masculine but uh but what it comes down to is is the way that you present yourself and that's mm-hmm. again what it's just it's just lacking well, well that that would include how you dress um yeah so uh, well, the, yeah. The, the, <laughs> that, that would be a uh, something that, uh, uh, especially as a woman looking at men walking by, you might notice it more than another man would. But how much does that play into your uh, your reaction to the Twitter, uh, to the uh, on Twitter, to the the piece in the Examiner? Like the well, well they're dressing kind of strange now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that it comes again. It kind of comes from how you present yourself. You know, so somebody who's walking around in the middle of the day with a fedora and an ascot. It's probably not somebody who's got the characteristics that I'm specifically looking for in their personality. Right, right. Uh, You know, I, I don't really care what people wear, but if you're presenting yourself in a certain way, then you're sending a message, a specific message, you know, with what you're yeah. wearing. So, uh, yeah, I don't I don't care. You know, I, I'm not going to say there's certain things that are totally out for me, although fedoras probably are on that list if there is one. Um, but, yeah, I mean, the way a man dresses is a reflection of who he is. So that's, you know, both. 
take that, that for what what you will. <laughs> and on a little bit more serious note here, I mean the whole transgender um, upheaval that we're seeing now, and the, the just the insanity that goes with that. Uh, you could see where that would make it um, more likely that men would find it um, comfortable to be uh, not be masculine and think that you know I'm, I, being feminine is a wonderful thing now, even if though even though I'm not a woman. Right, and that's the other thing. And we have you know different people and different organizations telling us that a man isn't necessarily a man. No, right. So right. any person who wakes up and is like, "Oh, I'm a man," that's a man, and any person who wakes up and says, oh, I'm a woman, that's a woman. So biology and, you know, testosterone have nothing to do with it, apparently. It's just what you say you are, what you want to be. And that threatens the definition of masculinity, because it's been sort of weaponized, too. You hear feminists use the term toxic masculinity. I was was going to get to that term, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, which basically applies to any man who's not part of the LGBTQ community. Uh, (laughs) It really, I mean, it really does. Anytime you open your mouth, you're mansplaining, right? So now we're telling men you're not allowed to talk to women if if you have to explain something, because that's not allowed. Uh, You can't correct a woman. That's not allowed. That's sexist. So, you know, there are all these rules for men now, and they've been cast as the bad guy. So, of course, you know, people see this, especially younger men see this, and they feel threatened by it. Why would they want to, you know, behave as a man who is being told that all of the things that he thinks and says and does are wrong? So, but, but um, I, I mean, I'm I've been around a lot longer than you have, but I'm guessing that out in the world, where among single people, men are still interested in making themselves attractive to women. So I'm wondering, you know, the women that you know, maybe the younger ones, not necessarily in their mid-30s, but maybe in their mid-20s to late-20s, what are they attracted to now? And, and is, the, is, what, is what you perceive to be kind of the feminization of the men in D.C., is that turning the women off or are they accepting that? Well, I think that outwardly they're accepting it because it's what society has now for years now been telling them they're supposed to accept, they, you know, this. I guess this is a harsh phrase, but sort of this neutered man who is, you know, woke to all the ideas of, um, you know, feminism and, Mm -hmm. and, you know, sensitive politics and, you know, woman first, woman is the stronger, you know, whatever. Uh, And so I think they think that's what they want. I think in reality, and again, I'm not them, when they actually are in relationships with these people, there's probably something that's lacking. That's why you see so, you know, birth rate is totally down. Young people are not getting married right now. And I think it's a lot to do with the fact that, you know, people aren't presenting as, as strong uh, mate choices. You know, people are dating a lot, but they're not really getting married and settling down because these aren't exciting relationships. Well, I think I saw something somewhere, a study done that, that, even though it may not seem like it's a 2019 um, idea, women still are attracted to men who can provide, men who are going to uh, make a good living and give them the choice of being able to stay home and be a mother because they, they, they need somebody to go out and work if they're going to do that. Right. And I think that, that, again, that's the thing you can't say out loud, right? right. That I want to stay home and I want to have children which is, you know, what biologically you're sort of intended to do, right? Right. We're supposed to, we're supposed to raise the young. That's, that's what we're for. Um, I mean, and of course, other things. I don't believe that all women should be tethered to the kitchen, you know, raising right, right. six babies. But I think we're being told so often now that that's, not, that's, that's giving up, that's relenting to old world style, um, that people are afraid to say that's what they want. But a lot of women, in fact, do want that. So not everybody has to have, you know, a career and independence and and be, you know, the strongest person in the relationship. It's okay to want to be provided for and have a man, you know, win the bread for the family. I'm out of time, Ellie. I got 15 seconds. Thanks for being here. And if you're not locked in your bathroom uh, for eternity, <laughs> we'll have you on again. Thanks. <laughs> Thank you, Josh. All right. We'll be right back. With SRN News, I'm Keith Peters in Washington. The open house impeachment inquiry hearings have concluded for the week. Congressman Devin Nunes denounced the proceedings. What you've seen in this room over the past two weeks is a show trial. The planned result of three years of political operations and dirty tricks. Campaigns 
waged against this president. And like any good show trial, the verdict was decided before the trial ever began. Testimony was heard today from former White House advisor Fiona Hill and David Holmes, political counselor at the U.S. Embassy in Kiev. On Wall Street, another down day as the Dow dropped 54 points to close at 27,766. The Nasdaq lower by 20 points. The S&P 500 declined five and oil up a dollar fifty-seven to fifty-eight fifty-eight a barrel. This is SRN News. Sebastian Gorka here. Maybe you've been hearing about Relief Factor, the 100% drug-free supplement that helps a person's body deal with inflammation and pain. You've heard all the wonderful testimonials. Well, I have my own testimonial. For many years, my lower back pain was becoming a serious problem. The short story is... I finally gave it a try, and now I'm out of pain too. So if you're in pain, you can order the three-week quick start for just $19.95. Go to relieffactor.com. Trade pros. Whether you specialize in service or new construction, Ferguson knows firsthand how much work goes into a long day on the job, which is why we're committed to offering the products and solutions to get every job done right. With over a 1,000 locations, an unmatched selection of specialty products, tools, and supplies, our pro pickup and same or next day delivery, you can trust that doing business with Ferguson will be the easiest part of your hard day's work. Visit ferguson.com to find a counter location near you. She's listening all the time and getting smarter every day. When you want the conservative perspective on today's most pressing issues, Alexa has the answer. You just have to point her in the right direction by saying, Alexa, enable the Answer Pittsburgh skill. Now say, Alexa, play the Answer Pittsburgh to get your favorite conservative talk station without lifting a finger. Look, Ma, no hands. So, Alexa, what's your favorite station? That's easy. AM 1250, the answer. Hey, Pittsburgh, this is Tunchilka for my good friends at Calusi Chevrolet. All month long, the team at Calusi is having a Black Friday sales event. So right now, you can lease a 2020 Chevy Trax for as low as $159 per month. This is a 39-month, 30,000-mile lease with $24.99 plus tax at registration due at signing. Must qualify with a current lease. Check them out at Calusi.com. Find new roads at Calusi Chevrolet. The day after Thanksgiving, feed your soul. Join Amen to Action as we come together for the third year to sing, pray, celebrate, and pack. Over one million meals of hope for the hungry. It's Friday, November 29th at the Convention Center. Doors open at 8 a.m. We think we'll break last year's record. We know it will be a lot of fun. To register for the event or make a donation, go to amentoaction.org. This is Chris Abernethy of Abernethy and Hagerman. You don't want the government deciding what happens to your estate or how much they will take. At Abernethy and Hagerman, estate administration is the heart and soul of our practice. We have the experience to help not only plan, but administer your estate properly to protect your assets, minimize taxes, and ensure that your inheritance gets to the ones you love. Decide for yourself. Abernethy and Hagerman, legal help that lasts a lifetime. Visit a-h.law. Do you or your business have financial problems? Are you overwhelmed with debt? Then call me, Attorney Dennis Spire at 412-471-7675. My legal practice concentrates on bankruptcy law, debtor rights, and tax matters. I have over 30 years' experience as a former United States Department of Justice bankruptcy attorney and lawyer in private practice. I have represented thousands of cases faced with financial problems and lawsuits. Reorganize and get a fresh start. Call 412-471-7675 or visit my website at DennisSpira.com. Stuck in traffic? We've got the answer. Looking at heavy volume just about everywhere. Parkway West tying up inbound. Carnegie to the Fort Pitt Tunnel. Looking heavy also on the outbound side. Banksville Road to Carnegie 79 to Campbell's Run Road. Parkway East slowing out down outbound Boulevard of the Allies to the Squirrel Hill Tunnel. Seeing the usual volume on the inbound side. Outbound 28. That's slowing down Veterans Bridge to the 40th Street Bridge. That's a look at traffic. I'm Jenny Robinson. AM 1250, the answer, weather. Cloudy and becoming breezy tonight with a couple of showers. The low 44 tomorrow, brisk and chilly with a morning shower in spots. And then clouds will give way to some sunshine in the afternoon. 
Temperatures will be holding in the mid-40s. Clear and colder tomorrow night, low 27. Saturday, sunshine to start, then becoming cloudy. Some rain developing in the afternoon, high 44 degrees. With Iraqi weather forecast, I'm meteorologist Danielle Niddle. This is the John Steigerwald Show on AM 1250, The Answer. Well, in case you missed it, uh, there are reports that Miles Garrett, the Browns defensive lineman who hit Steelers quarterback Mason Rudolph in the head with his own helmet a week ago tonight in Cleveland, uh, may be playing the race card. Adam Schefter of ESPN reported that at his meeting to appeal the suspension uh, yesterday, Garrett said that Rudolph had used a racial slur when they were both on the ground after he tackled him. Nobody's believing it, uh, at least especially in Pittsburgh. Maybe they are in Cleveland. And it's been treated as what you might call a hoax. Uh, Wilford Riley is the author of a book called Hate Crime Hoax, How the Left is Selling a Fake Race War, and he joins us now. Thanks for being here, Wilford. Uh, thanks for having me. Good to be on the line with you. So let's start with Jussie Smollett, because I mentioned him uh, leading in uh, to the show today. Uh, he's actually suing the city of Chicago for having had the nerve to catch him in a hoax. Uh, does it get any worse than that? I mean, it is tough to believe the cojones on that particular guy. I'm from Chicago and still have a good number of connections in the police, uh, LEO, legal community there. And there's absolutely no doubt that Jussie Smollett committed a hate crime hoax. Um, If your listeners are interested, you can just Google Nigerian Brothers by Rope. And you can see a full-on video of the two buddies that Smollett paid to attack him with what looks like a shopping list from Smollett, buying red hats, buying lengths of cord, getting together the things that were used in the staged attack on Smollett. Um, Don't need to go through all the evidence, but Smollett forfeited more than $10,000 of bond that was held by the city. Uh, sort of a tacit admission of guilt before he reached his uh, plea deal with the city of Chicago. So there's no doubt that Jussie Smollett did this. Uh, I'm not sure exactly what's motivating him to attempt to sue the city for malicious prosecution, legal abuse, I believe is the actual charge. But I can't help but think that's going to keep digging that hole for him. I can't help but think that the DA in Chicago, the police in Chicago, aren't going to be in too forgiving of a mood as that case proceeds. Yeah, and and when there is a a hoax perpetrated, um, usually there's someone on the other end of it who's being uh, lied about or being accused of something he or she didn't do. Uh, So the Miles Garrett, the Mason Rudolph thing, I don't know how familiar you are with what what happened or if you were watching the game last Thursday. I'm a football fan, yeah. Okay, so you know what happened. Uh, I wrote a column this week. Uh, I do a sports column here uh, in Pittsburgh at TribLive.com, and I... I went kind of against the grain, which I've been known to do, but I, I wrote um, that I thought the uh, – my first reaction was that uh, it was a well-deserved uh, indefinite suspension. And, and well, my first reaction when I saw it happen was there's, they could throw the book at this guy. I don't know how – I don't care how long the suspension is. And then the, uh-huh. I, I looked at the video, and I decided that, uh, that Rudolph short, uh, shared some blame, and he got off too easy, and the, and the penalty for, for Garrett – was too much. And now, yesterday, he comes out and says, well, yeah, but by the way, uh, Rudolph uh, dropped, uh, I think he's saying he used a racial slur. I'm going to assume it's the N-word. He dropped the N-word on him, and nobody's believing it. But the, I, has that now become the the uh, the way to, to uh, get out of trouble, is to just blame it on a hate crime, when, when you're, especially when you're obviously guilty of something? Well, I don't think universally that's how most people try to duck something like a criminal charge. But I will definitely say that the United States right now, we've attached a high value to victimization, which is one of the craziest things you could possibly do as a society. And so you do fairly often see people attempt to get out of their own issues with, for example, mental health, drug addiction, something else, by claiming that someone came from the outside and attacked them. Uh, As re this particular uh, NFL case, One, I tend to be very skeptical that that occurred. I think if someone had targeted you with triggering racial insults four or five times in a row, that would probably be the first thing that you would mention as you went to the media 
to discuss the incident. I don't think that would come up a week later. And I guess a secondary level of this would be, even if that did happen, even if the two exchange racial insults during an ugly scuffle, that doesn't mean you as a professional can escalate things to the next level and brain someone with a helmet. So I, I don't, I don't know how much I buy that story. And I don't know how much I think that story is relevant. Well, it's, it, it is, it's really relevant here in Pittsburgh, but I, I, here's why I think it's relevant because there's someone on the other end of it. There, 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 if, if he's lying, which I think he is, I can't prove that here, but I, I, I think it's up to him to prove it, not me. But um, if he's lying, he is just really dragging this young uh, 23-year-old guy who's just starting his NFL career uh, through the mud, and he's, and he's labeling him as, a, as a, a really bad guy who would say something like that. So it's not just well, him getting out of a trouble. It's him use, uh, just trying to destroy another guy. Well, I think this gets into a couple things in society. I mean, the tendency of people to use racial conflict as an excuse, the value that we're attaching to victimization, which is crazy. Even the idea that we've declared racism, moderate personal bigotry, to be something on par with pedophilia, so that if that were true, a career could be destroyed. I mean, there's a lot that's involved in this case. So, I mean, you're right that if that if any of these insults were never used, that that's an extremely negative thing to do. That's a good point. I guess my point would simply be that even if the two men were yelling at each other during what was basically a street fight out there on the field, I don't think that only the white guy was yelling, one. And two, I don't think that that justifies trying to brain somebody with a helmet. So, I mean, that sounds right. like, in terms of a suspension, that sounds like a pretty weak defense no matter when you make it. Right. I mean, if the, if the thing had gone in the other direction, he... The uh, QB had been called something like weak white boy, quote unquote. I'll keep it pretty PG 13. Yeah. And he had attempted to kill the other player with a helmet. That would still be a year long suspension. It doesn't really matter what words led to a situation like that, speaking legally. Of course, it also doesn't make a lot of sense for a, a white guy, a white quarterback on a team that's <laughs> about 70% black to be throwing that word around on the field where any one of his black teammates could hear him say it or that it could be found out later that he said it. So it's, it just makes it makes no sense. It's, uh, and then so I couldn't believe it when it when that came out today because I gave this guy credit the other day. He came out uh, Garrett. I'm talking about he he uh, had a written apology, which he was pretty contrite. And he was uh, he said he apologized to Mason Rudolph. And somebody must have gotten to him and said, "Hey, listen, maybe you can you know, release, uh, reduce the suspension by a game or two. Drop the N word on him." So I, it's it's terrible, I think. But um, but your book uh, is uh, a hate crime uh, hoax: how the left is selling a fake race war. So how co- common are these hoaxes? Uh, and in the course of writing your book, and I'm sorry I wasn't able to read your book because I didn't think about getting you on the show until today when Aaron, our producer, came up with the idea because of this stuff going on. But uh, can you just tell me what your book has found and what, 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 you sure. just, what you talk about in your book? Sure. So, I mean, in a sense, the pitch line that I use for the book, coming from a sales director background before academia, is that if you look, most of the most high-profile, widely reported hate crime stories in recent history, whether you're talking about Jesse Smollett, a juicy smile, yay, as Dave Chappelle put it. Whether you're talking about the Covington Catholic boys, Erica Thomas, the congresswoman who claims she was almost violently assaulted in the supermarket, this dreadlock-cutting case recently, this Syracuse case recently, Yasmin Saweed, almost all of them have turned out to be fakes. And that's not true of every locally reported hate crime fistfight in each police precinct, but even a surprising number of those turn out not to be real. I'm putting together the book. I initially compiled a set of 409 confirmed hate crime hoaxes uh, from Internet sources, law enforcement sources, etc., that were concentrated in the past five years. And I've since increased that data set to 629 case studies that consist of more than 800 individual unique incidents. I, the person got two notes. And that's available for anyone. My name's Wilfred Riley. That's available for anyone to look me up and email me or whatnot. But that became the book Hate Crime Hoax, which came out from Regnery uh, this past spring. Oh, uh, give me some uh, examples of uh, the, the most notable hoaxes that you came across, the ones that people would recognize as hearing about it first as a terrible news story and then finding out sometimes weeks or months later that it was all fake. 
Well, at least at the national level, I'm not saying the same thing about local yeah. domestic violence cases or whatnot, but at least at the national level, most of these stories turned out to be fake. I mean, Jussie Smollett, hard to get past him. He claimed that two white men wearing, quote-unquote, patriotic ski masks, carrying a gallon bottle of bleach and a knotted rope noose, wearing Donald Trump MAGA hats, set upon him in a neighborhood of Chicago where I've actually lived that's probably 20% black, 10% LGBT. Uh, so that's one of the craziest stories out at there. At 2 in the morning. Oh, yeah, at 2 in the yeah. morning. It was, wasn't it a winter gust blizzard? I mean, no, you're from the East Coast. like the worst West. cold in Chicago in 50 years or something. Yeah. Negative 35. Yeah. I mean, he was out there. With, I mean, anyway, but that that's one of the most ridiculous. Another one was Yasmin Saweed. This was a young woman. This was the front page of the Post, most of the East Coast papers. She claimed that she'd been accosted on the New York 6 train by four athletic, blonde, white guys who ripped off her hijab. There was the implication that sexual violence had been threatened. Uh, it turned out that she made the whole thing up, and she was so panicked by the discovery of that that she disappeared for a couple of days. So the police started this statewide manhunt for her. She finally turned up with her hid shaven, which is some kind of act of contrition from her or her family, and then found herself involved in a court case based on the charges based on her hate crime hopes. Many of them. I mean, another one that comes to mind is Hopewell Baptist. This is a genuinely sad story. This is a famous old upper middle class Baptist church in Mississippi, beautiful building. It was burnt to the ground, and this created a national outcry. Um, we in the black community were told to be constantly on the lookout for racists. It turned out that the person who burnt the church down was a black parishioner who had a problem with the preacher. Um, no issues with African-Americans whatsoever. And this just kept happening in that period between 2015 and 2017 when you saw the takeoff of, for example, Black Lives Matter. So most of these cases, Air Force Academy, Kansas State, the new car ruined with racial graffiti, most of the ones we saw nationally turned out not to be real. Yeah, and, and uh, going back to the Smollett case, um, the media were so quick to accept his story, you would think that there would have been somebody, and there wasn't anybody on the, in the national media that I can remember that was, was even questioning it at the beginning. They just automatically accepted that this happened to him. And you would think that a journalist, someone who's a, a, a involved in investigating stories, would have asked a couple of questions like what you just brought up. Wait a minute. Wasn't that like 40 below zero in a black neighborhood and these two guys show, show up with a rope? I mean, and, and everybody bought it. So is that the case? That's why these things are so easily sold in the beginning, because the media is so willing to grab in onto it? Well, I think that that gets into left-wing media bias. That's not as extraordinary as some conservatives argue it is in my research, but it certainly exists. And that also gets into the idea that things are just too taboo to talk about in America. So if you actually look at media coverage between a taste for sensationalism, left-wing bias, and the idea that you won't touch certain things, you very often see entire stories that are shuffled off the headlines. Uh, to give just one example, I mentioned Black Lives Matter. Uh, you can find out in about a minute of research that about 80% of the people shot by police are, in fact, poor whites and Hispanics. There's not a wildly disproportionate rate at which unarmed black men, for example, are killed by police at all if you adjust for crime rate. The entire narrative that there is was essentially created by the media taking those cases that fit a certain storyline and not those cases that didn't, like unsympathetic immigrants or Republican guys in Trump country getting involved with the police. So what you see is a one-sided presentation of part of a picture very often. If you look at the comment sections in major media, I certainly think you saw people's opinions on Jussie Smollett. But no, there was no one who wanted to break that barricade and come out and run a front-page story about that. And final quick point about this, I mean, everyone, even I, feels this. I assumed the entire Syracuse situation, if you've been following that, was a hoax from the start. Mm -hmm. I mean... Yeah. One of the things that was said was that a program called Apple Airdrop, kind of a computer messaging app, was used to send the New Zealand shooter's 70-page manifesto to most of the student activists on campus, and that just turned out to be a hoax. Uh, Andy No, who's a friend of mine, broke that today. Yeah. But the, 
the initial question had to be, what the hell, what are the chances that's true? What are the chances that the one Nazi on campus has the emails of every black student leader? How could that have happened? <laughs> yeah. But no, but nobody wanted to say that. Nobody wanted to be the one guy in case it turned out to be a disaffected ex-girlfriend or something who is then going to be the face of a campaign about you being a bigot for the next 10 years. That's what happened with Jesse. Well, does it take an African-American reporter to be the first to question it in order to in other words, a white reporter might feel afraid, if that's the right word, to to even raise the issue until somebody else does, because it's, well, it's taboo. I think, I think you are seeing that. I mean, hate crime hoax, I lean at least center-right politically. The hate crime hoax is just one of my books. I'm just, this was an area I was interested yeah. in. But I think if you do look at kind of hard-right politics, you're seeing a lot of organizations not really use, but employ people like, for example, Candace Owens to make points that are really obvious, like it's useful to have a dad in the home. Right. And then the rest of the group will step up behind that because it's very hard to accuse, you know, Larry Elder of racism or something mm -hmm. like that. I personally think white people need to be a bit less sensitive about the idea of being thought of as racist. But it's probably easier to say that given that I'm an ethnic guy with tenure, like they're not going to fire me. Yeah, But pe people do need to come forward and say, look, if someone sends 80 black student leaders, mine come. Okay, <laughs> that wasn't that was an inside job. Yeah, right. How did you even get student organization emails? I have trouble with that. and I'm a professor. So you, you have to understand at some level what's probably going on. Hey, uh, I appreciate you being on, uh, Wilford. And uh, the book is. Uh, before I let you go, real quick, uh, Seattle. I saw a piece that you wrote for the Quillette. Uh, what you you're, found out in Seattle? Uh, you're talking about some of the recent hate crime claims out there? Yeah, I'll, like I'll the 400% increase and so. all that? Oh, yeah, that's that's just BS. I mean, the, the way you get something like that is generally... So something to keep in mind for your listeners, educated audience. I mean, what the law says determines who the law prosecutes, right? So hate crimes have traditionally been you can't brutally attack a white guy, can't brutally attack a black guy, can't brutally attack a woman. And we've obviously expanded that to reflect Hispanics and so on. But Seattle has gone well beyond that. So their hate crime statute includes, for example, attacks motivated by homelessness, um, attacks motivated by political party. Now, this is one of the cities where Antifa and the Proud Boys get into it every weekend. You know, marital status. I don't even know where that comes from. Possibly gay marriage legalized out there early. But obviously, if someone punching their husband or two men fighting can be a hate crime, you're going to see more hate crimes than if hate crime actually means racial lynching. And that, that's what happened in Seattle. That's about 95% of it. Wilford, I'm out of time. I really appreciate it. Thanks. Sure. Thanks for having me. Okay. Wilford Riley and his book is Hate Crime Hoax, How the Left is Selling a Fake Race War. We'll be right back. Confusing, tedious, worse than a math test. That's how most Americans describe shopping for health insurance. Yep, open enrollment is here again. You have until December 15th to choose something very expensive that you hope to never use. And if that makes you want to stick a red-hot poker in your eye, call Marley Financial. Marley has every plan available in the tri-state, but they also offer some of the most innovative solutions to tackle the high cost of health care. Heard of first dollar benefits, the most expensive part of a health plan? They're great if you visit the doctor a lot or take medications, but if you're healthy, why pay it? A catastrophic plan through Marley may be all you need. Or how about a high deductible plan you can pair with a supercharged HSA? Not all plans qualify, but Marley's do, offering double benefits to cut your out-of-pocket costs in half. Call Marley Financial today at 724-884-1496 for a custom-designed health plan with the coverage you need at a price that's right for you. 724-884-1496 or at MarleyFG.com. The team at MyPillow is grateful for you this holiday season. So grateful, they have an amazing offer. Buy one, get one on their incredible sheet sets. Mike Lindell has come out with the world's most comfortable bed sheets. He finally found the best cotton in the world in a region where the Sahara Desert, the Nile River, and the Mediterranean Sea all come together to create the ideal weather conditions for growing cotton. His new Giza Dreams bed sheets are made with this long staple cotton, and he guarantees they will be the most comfortable sheets you'll ever own. The first 
night you sleep on my sheets, you'll never want to sleep on anything else. The Giza Dream Sheets are available in a variety of colors, and like all of Mike's products, they come with a 60-day money-back guarantee and a 10-year warranty. Right now, you can buy one, get one free, by calling 800-716-8087 and use promo code STAG. For a limited time, you can buy one, get one free, plus free shipping. Call 800-716-8087 or go to MyPillow.com, but make sure to use the promo code STAG. Whether you're a candidate looking to advance your career or a company looking to advance your business, Advanced Sourcing Concepts is your bridge to success. Advanced Sourcing Concepts matches highly qualified workers with highly reputable companies. Advanced Sourcing Concepts brings a high-touch approach to human resources. As a candidate, your personal recruiter works with you to find opportunities that best fit your goals. For employers, they're your private talent scout, letting you focus on business while they find the first draft picks to deepen your bench. A certified woman-owned company, Advanced Sourcing Concepts has built a strong reputation for providing top-quality talent for direct hire, contract to hire, and project-based positions here at home and across the nation and are recognized by Recruit Military as a veteran hiring leader. Visit ASCPeople.com for active job postings. Then call 412-415-5090 and cross your bridge to success. 412-415-5090 at ASCPeople.com. Hi, this is Rhett Rasmussen of BestHotGrill.com. Not only do we have great grills, but also the best hot patio heaters. We are the nationwide distributor for Bromic Radiant Patio Heaters, the very best patio heater that you can get. The Bromic heaters use the same radiant burner technology as our Solaire infrared grills, so they heat up fast and keep you warm so you can enjoy your backyard grill and outdoor living spaces into the night and all year round. Bromic heaters have stylish contemporary designs that fit perfectly in backyard and restaurant patios. We have gas and electric models to suit most installation needs and a portable gas heater that directs the heat where you want it, not the bushes and walls like the mushroom heaters. For top quality performance and aesthetics, you want Bromic Radiant Patio Heaters and Solaire Infrared Grills. Learn about these amazing grills and heaters at BestHotGrill.com. That's BestHotGrill.com. BestHotGrill.com. You're listening to The John Steigerwald Show on AM 1250, The Answer. By the way, uh, Garrett's suspension was upheld today by the NFL. They didn't want to hear about the appeal. There was no, they saw no proof that um, that Rudolph had uh, hurled a racial slur or slurs at him. And they also reduced Marquise Pouncey, uh, his suspension from three games to two games. This is not a uh, this is not a minor thing for these guys to get reduced by a game because it's a large amount of money. These guys are making millions of dollars and they get paid. A weekly with uh, game checks. And so an extra game check in Pouncey's pocket is a lot of money. So getting it reduced, reduced from three to two is pretty big, but it also means that he will not play against the Browns uh, a week from, uh, or two weeks from now. So there you have it. Uh, Garrett, I don't care if he ever plays again after what he tried. And I was all for reducing his sentence, but if he never plays again, that'll be okay with me after that. That was a rotten thing to do. Talk to you tomorrow. The John Steigerwall Show is a production of AM 1250, The Answer, and Salem Media Group.